Welcome to another episode of Scrubs and Soy Sauce. This is episode number six. My name is Kevin and this is Mickey and we are your hosts for this episode and every episode. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. This is a special episode. Today, Mickey is going to tell us about her life and all the important lessons she has learned throughout this process. This will be kind of like the episode that I did. Episode two was completely about Kevin and his life story, so we thought it would only be fair and fun to also do an episode about me. Let's start from the year that you were born. I was born in December of 96 in Japan, a cold, cold winter. I was a, I don't think a preemie, but I was definitely early. Like 36 weeks? I don't know. I should ask my mom really, but I did come out with forceps, which are now illegal. You're not supposed to use forceps anymore. The but suction or the forceps? No, the forceps. Now you're supposed to use the suction, but back in the day it was forceps. Do you have divots in your head from that? No, she's perfect. In early childhood, the thing about Japan is that you have to be very prim and proper and you get praise for being like everybody else. Whereas in America, you kind of get praise for standing out and being unique. In Japan, you want to be like everybody else. And if you're not, you often get bullied. And even in my early preschool age classes, I was never one to like sit still. I always asked why. I was like, why do we have to do this? Why do we need to be, you know, sitting down during this time? Like I just wanted to run around and be a kid. And my parents saw that in me and felt like I probably wouldn't thrive in Japan. And that's why they brought me to America. So at three years old, mom, dad, and I, first generation immigrants, moved to America. The only English I knew at the time was my name is Hello Kitty because I loved Hello Kitty. And I remember coming to America with a dictionary and like our Japanese suitcases. Three years old, you had a dictionary? Well, at least that's what my mom said. Like that, that's the story she told me. Do you remember anything? Like you took a plane, I'm guessing? Yes, but I don't have those memories. I do have some memories of Japan, not from when I was three, but when we went back, because we still went back and forth for a couple of years. But coming to America and moved here when I was three, my dad, he worked for a Taiwanese company that had Japanese offices. So he worked in Japan, but they also had American offices. So he was able to transfer his job here, basically. That's pretty cool. And work visas for anybody who has never dealt with them are a huge headache and it's very difficult to fight for them. And we were luckily able to secure that and be able to stay here in the U.S. My parents are Taiwanese by blood, so they had already gone to Japan to study, and that was already kind of like the home they established for themselves. So this was the second time they were starting over, and my dad was actually an English major in undergrad, so he spoke fluent English, but my mom, you know, everybody learns English like a little bit here and there, but my mom was never and still isn't very fluent in English, and so that's why growing up here, my parents had a fun system where they wanted me to keep up with my culture and my languages. So Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, we spoke Mandarin at home. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, we spoke Japanese. And on Sundays, I got to choose. English was strictly for school and school only. Not that English is an easy language, but relative to Mandarin and Japanese, it was definitely easier and also much easier for me to just pick up at school with my classmates. At the time, I really did not like that system. But as I grew older, I really came to appreciate being able to retain kind of those yeah. skills your language skills is much better than 
mine. I guess mine are just really bad, but I think it was something my mom really emphasized and felt like she could pass on to me and it was like her gift to me. And uh, to this day, I really pride myself in being a fluent Mandarin speaker and I can read, I can write more rusty now. It's you been can a write, while. You can yeah. Run. I mean, it's been a long time since I've had to do any of that. It's a lot of typing nowadays, but I really pride myself in being able to do that still. And I hope that one day if I have kids, like I can pass that on to them too. But I grew up in the Bay Area. This is in California and I grew up in a city called Cupertino. If you've never heard of Cupertino, if you own an iPhone, it's your default weather app location. And the city is, I think, 80% Asian. It's 70 or 80% Asian. And so I grew up around a lot of people who looked like me, who thought like me, and I never, ever, ever felt like a minority. I was the majority, which was very interesting because almost anywhere else in the US, you would not be able to have an experience like this. And in school, in contrast to Kevin, I was, I wouldn't say I was academically weak. Like I was academically okay. I was never gifted. I was never in the accelerated classes. I was a pretty normal kid, but I turned in all my homework assignments on time and I was fast. I was very efficient. Things that people took like hours to finish, I get done in five, 10 minutes. I was just very fast. There. Did you have any like major hobbies or did you do anything outside of school that was important to you? I did a lot of extracurriculars when I was little before I kind of honed in on what I liked. So I did ballet, I did gymnastics, I did soccer. Did you choose those activities or did your parents choose them for you? I chose them, but my parents were obviously the ones to take me to the lessons and stuff. The first thing I quit was ballet because I have very little patience and again, I'm very fast paced and that doesn't really vibe very well with ballet. So I did much better in gymnastics. And in addition to that, every Friday night I went to Chinese school. This was two hours. Saturdays was Japanese school. Oh my God, Japanese school is such a beast. So it's called Hoshuko. And American school, you really don't get that much homework. You know, you can finish it in like, I don't know, under 30 minutes for sure. Japanese school, this was insane. Over summer break, you would have homework. I remember over the summers, I would have to write 10 essays and then alongside the essays, you'd have to draw pictures and I'd always procrastinate until the last minute to do my summer homework. So my dad would be like drawing the pictures while I'm writing the essays or vice versa. Everything in Japanese school was like a competition. It was all these Japanese kids with these Japanese moms who are making these insane bentos like Totoro, Pikachu, anything you can think of. And it was just a really stress inducing experience. This is only once a week though? No, this is only once a week. The textbooks were stacked this high. There were so many textbooks textbooks and so many things you had to buy. But I actually asked my mom if I could quit around second grade because it was truly very stressful and I didn't really enjoy it. So that's why she let me quit. And not gonna lie, my Japanese has not gotten better since that point. So Japanese is pretty good. It comes back to me if I'm around people who speak Japanese, but if I don't speak it often enough, it's definitely rusty. Anyway, so that's elementary school. I stayed in Cupertino for my entire life. And the reason people like to be in Cupertino is because the school districts are insanely good. It's one of the best in the US. And these are public schools. You don't have to pay private school tuition, but you do have, have to, to pay the house, house mortgage, which is probably more expensive. Middle school nothing really special about middle school did you like middle school i think i peaked in middle school i often tell people like yeah i think seventh grade was like the peak of my coolness because Why? that was when i started to do a lot of modeling and acting because in the bay area it's not runway like new york is runway high fashion and la has a lot of commercial and sf has a lot of tech jobs so i was getting hired for a lot of commercial modeling commercial acting so i did commercials for companies like skype youtube 
I did an Apple ad. I was on the Apple website. Who brought up doing that? Did your mom find these opportunities or did you personally in middle school? Do I that? think my mom certainly helped me find these opportunities because I wouldn't even have known that they existed, but she would have never made me do them if I didn't express interest in them. I felt like I had a little oh. bit of talent like related to it, mm -hmm. you know? I actually started on the radio side. So I attended this class basically where they train you to be, they call it a little radio host. It's called Xiao Xiao Zhu Chi Ren. Do you have any tips for talking to the radio? Like you're much smoother than I am. I think they just trained you how to like story tell and how to be interesting, how not to say filler words. It was really basic stuff. <laughs> that was a little passive aggressive there. How not to say filler words or No, have... that's truly really what I learned. But mm -hmm. because I did the radio show, I got connected with some other people who were modeling and acting and that's how we came introduced to that idea. And I surprisingly booked a lot of jobs because there are a lot of people who audition after audition and you get nothing. I mean, when you go to these auditions, so I lived in Cupertino, which was 50 minutes away from San Francisco. So you drive all the way to SF for an audition. The audition lasts literally maybe a minute or two minutes. They just need to like see your face and how you walk. You stand there and then you state your name, your age, you do a profile, you know, so you show each side of your face. And then sometimes they ask you some interview questions. Sometimes they ask you literally the most random things, but they just want to see how you react, how you move your body. Sometimes if it's for a specific company or they're doing a specific product, they'll bring something in to kind of mimic that and see how you would be. And a lot of the times you have no idea what the heck you're auditioning for because you're signing NDAs and they're not even like the Apple one. I had no idea it was Apple until I showed up the day of. But they do tell you how much you get paid. How much do you get paid? Was it like a good amount or on the low end if you're an extra on a movie set or something it's like eight or ten dollars an hour and that's what minimum wage was at the time and on the higher end there are some modeling gigs where i was getting paid a hundred dollars an hour as a what wow. how old was i like 12 do, do you, does your mom have to come with you did does she get paid or no you just... no you always have to have a parental guardian and the money i forget what the thing is called but the money gets deposited into a bank account that you can't take out until you're 18 years old and it's to kind of prevent parents abusing the system mm -hmm. basically your parents can't touch it either i guess yeah not until you're 18 oh wow i think I mean, it was never like an insane amount of money or anything, but getting $100 an hour was That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. And there'd be days where there are a lot of times the call time is like 4 or 5 a.m. And I don't shoot until 5 p.m., but I'm getting paid $100 an hour for just the chill. entire day. Exactly. What cool movies have you ever participated in? Can we find you? I was like an fun? extra in My Name is Khan, which is a very epic Bollywood movie. I literally got paid like 8 or $10 an hour for that. But you can actually see my face. Like I show up. I what did. were you doing? I was in a school scene where her son was going to school and I was one of the other kids there. So you're in the movie for like three seconds? No, like 0.1 seconds. <laughs> yeah, but that's, it was That's $100 worth of work right there. Yeah, it was It was a fun experience. Some other notable fun things like getting to meet Steph Curry and doing the Under Armour commercial was pretty cool. He did was, you get a pair of his shoes? No, but all the little kids did. I was already in college. Yeah, I was already in college What did you time. do? You just sat there and clapped as a background? or I wasn't an extra technically, but I mean, there's a lot of kids there in the stadiums basically like cheering him on. Oh. But he was really nice. He was one of the sweetest, most genuine people to have on set. So that was really nice. I think I'm a Warriors fan. How many basketball players can you name on the Warriors right now? Steph Curry. I don't know if any of these people are still on the hey. Warriors is the issue. Wait, is JaVale McGee still on the Warriors? I don't believe so. I loved when he was on the Warriors Why? because there was that hilarious video of him running the, the wrong, wrong way. way on the 
for. That's the level of basketball Mickey knows. It's when they end up on like some other funny website. Hey, I played in a basketball game. Do not make fun of me. Thanks, Bill, for letting me in on the basketball game. You well, got four points and like four steals. I did. Thank yeah. you so much for my stats. Okay, anyways. Yes. So I did a lot of modeling and acting. And basketball. And basketball growing up. But the thing was, I was missing not a ton of school, but I was definitely missing school here and there. All this while, I have really good grades, straight A's, doing really great. I've always been a straight A student growing up. We'll get to not straight A's later. In seventh grade, there are superlatives. So the way that my middle school worked, we were divided into what's called villages. So your villages are the teachers that you have and you go through the class rotations. You know how you like rotate through like history and then English, like whatever. So there's three sets of teachers. So I was in one of the villages that had one set of the teachers and my village had superlatives. And can you guess what I won in seventh grade? Most likely to win uh, Oscar. No, I won most attractive and most photogenic. Why are those two separate awards? (laughs) Because those are two different things. But again, so yeah, I peaked in seventh grade. Moving on to high school, I went to Monta Vista High School, which if you know anything about the Bay Area, it was a wonderful, beautiful, splendid school. What I mean by that is that the amount of peer pressure you're experiencing is insane. All people care about at this point is getting into college. Everything you talk, you eat, you breathe is all about getting into college. And it's not even pressure from family members necessarily or even teachers. It's peer pressure and pressure that you put on yourself. And I am somebody who holds myself to a very high standard. So as soon as I started to feel like I was slipping or not like A1, it really hurt my confidence. And freshman year was great. Straight A's, no problem. Went into sophomore year. And again, because I mentioned I was never in advanced classes, but I really don't know how to put into words how toxic high school was. Like to give you an idea, nothing in my life has ever been as hard as high school was. Nursing school wasn't as hard. Working as an ICU nurse and crying all the time wasn't as hard. Nothing was as hard as going through high school at that moment in my life and still to this day because I was never in advanced math. I decided to skip two trig in order to take pre-calc in sophomore year. And if you know anything about pre-calc, the entire thing is like advanced two trig. That's what pre-calc is. And because I didn't take two trig and I didn't study well enough over the summer, I was really struggling in the class and I ended up getting a C in pre-calc. What's two trig? Algebra two trig. Kevin's like, math has never been an issue for me. Math is hard. But the thing is, I was always good at math. I never struggled in any of my classes. So I truly felt Mm -hmm. like it was going to be okay. And I also just didn't have the best teacher. So it was a combination of a lot of things. I mean, I take full responsibility for skipping I mean, it's, it's hard. People are like, you are so dramatic. That is not a big deal. This is a school where 90% of people either go to the top UCs, IVs, like there's no other options. This is where I need to go. And a C was basically going to ruin my chances because relative to my classmates, that's how like admissions works, right? That would literally put me. Was there a lot of grade inflation as well? No, not in my opinion. No, but then the average grade should be a C, right? I feel like most people get probably Bs in a class. In college, I was more aware of exactly what the curve was, but in high school, you don't really know. People are often lying about their grades too, oh, so you have no idea. Interesting. But because of pre-calc and it's stressing me out so much, I also got a B in chem honors, and I also got a B in history of all classes, which is hilarious now because I literally do suck at history. What kind of history 0.1%. is this? 0.1%. It was world history. But anyways, I got two Bs and a C, and coming from a straight-A student to a 
two B's and a C, it really ruined my entire self-worth and confidence because my only goal at this point in my life was to get into college. Which college did you want to go to? UCLA was my dream school. It was the first time my parents worried about me in an academic sense because they never had to really monitor me or worry about me. And so they started becoming more hands-on at this point and trying to help get the resources that I needed. I felt like at the time there was no other way for me to get into my dream schools unless I did something drastic and that's what I did. So I did a lot of research and I found out a way that I was actually able to drop out of high school. I had to go and take this test called the CHISPE, the California High School Proficiency Exam. It's kind of similar to GED but it's a California equivalent and taking that test would allow me to take classes at community college and drop out of high school. So I had in 11th grade, each of my teachers signed this paper saying that I was dropping out of high school. So then I replaced the last two years of high school with community college. And at community college, I worked really, really, really hard. I was a 4.0 student up until probably like the last semester when I slacked off a little bit in some of the organic chemistry classes. Do you have to pay tuition for community college? Yes, I remember it was $31 a unit. How many units per class? Usually five. Oh, so that's not bad. That's not crazy. That's really reasonable. No, and there's some like fees and tuition things wrapped in there, but it was very, very reasonable. But because I dropped out of high school, I didn't have the full high school experience and I just don't have very good memories of that time. Did you go to prom and stuff? I did get to go to prom. Somebody in my grade ended up taking me. So I did see all my classmates again and stuff, but I do feel like there was a lot of gossip around me and where I ended up and you know, what happened to me? Why exactly did I leave? I think one comment I would like to make is that I think community college is such a great option for people. It's so much more reasonable price than it was the best decision I could have ever made and I know that sometimes it can feel like it hurts your ego or something but if you just put your ego aside and think about it practically and logically it makes so much sense to do community college I would not have had it any other way I saved so much money in college time in California the community colleges have agreements with really great schools like the UCs the CSUs where literally if you just hit a certain GPA and you hit a certain class load you are automatically admitted so it's a guarantee yeah I mean you still have to work hard and you know at the ultimately you have to learn the stuff that they teach you right so I think it's a great opportunity for someone who who can take advantage of that And community college brought me a lot of opportunities that I never thought I would have had or I I simply would not have had in high school. I had the opportunity to go to UCSF for a summer and intern there and but only because my community college had a a relationship with them and a specific internship for me to participate in. You got a swanky community college. (laughs) We actually played basketball there, didn't we? We did play. Yes. My life is all about basketball. We played that actual basketball game. Alumni basketball game yes fast forward i my resume peaked right before applying to college i was on the national youth council for the american red cross this is 13 youth across the u.s that are selected i was working in a lab i did research I interned every single summer at some sort of medical foundation. I did everything I could have done to put myself in the best position because I was not going to do the same thing and repeat the same mistakes. That's a lot of work. I feel like in high school back then, we just had more like energy to do these things. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even feel like like I needed to sleep. I don't even know how I survived. I feel like back then you're like, oh, I have an hour. That's a long time for me to do something. Right now we're like, oh, we only have one hour. I'll just watch some K-dramas. So I ended up getting into every single college I 
I applied to. How many did you apply to? I don't remember, truly. The only one that mattered to me was UCLA because that was the one that I wanted to go to so bad. I got into the UCLA nursing program by transferring in and they only accept 10 students a year. So it's, it felt like a big deal and I was really, really proud. And every day I walked on that campus, I woke up so grateful and I would just run around the campus and be like, I can't believe I'm here at my dream school. I made it here. So I did nursing school there. I did three additional years and graduated a year early in 2018. Because of your community college credits? Right. And college? Did you have a good time? I did have a good time in college. I guess I didn't have a traditional college experience because nursing school, I'm working you know, clinical shifts, 12-hour shifts, is, you know, similar to med school, you have real responsibilities. So while there are certainly people who are partying it up, I was not the type and I spent a lot of time studying. Did your nursing class, was everybody like young, like straight out of high school or? Yeah, so I was in a, a BSN program, Bachelor's of Science in Nursing program. So we had 50 students a year and 40 of those were admitted straight from high school and 10 were transferred in. The transfers were a little bit older, but everybody else was fresh out of high school essentially the crowd was pretty similar pretty young it seems like did you have to take classes outside of the school of nursing yes because i was very ambitious at the time and i was also pre-med or at least considering the option and so nursing prereqs actually do not line up completely with pre-med i finished most of my pre-med prereqs at community college but there were things like physics and ochem that i haven't hadn't finished yet so i took those while at ucla in a classroom i'm the person who like sits in the back is on my laptop not making any noise not raising my hand I'm not the type to draw any sort of attention to myself and in between classes when everybody else was just chilling I would have to run to go to these pre-med classes that were all the way across campus because the school of nursing is detached from the main campus my daily like mileage average was 10 miles a day when I was at UCLA let me ask you a question while you were in community college where did you see your life going I thought I was gonna finish nursing school and my motivation for being a nurse before being a doctor was that I really wanted to bridge the two professions together. I think I wanted to work on if I was a nurse first and I could see exactly how those orders were going to be carried out, then as a physician, I would have the power to be the change. It's a little naive, but that's where really where I, mean, I thought I, I was going with people, it. people, when you're that young, being a naive is totally fine. I thought I would understand multiple levels of the healthcare system and it would certainly help me be a better provider. I wasn't completely sure if I was going to work as a nurse for a couple of years and then go to med school or apply straight obviously there was a lot of factors involved in that Mm -hmm. so i didn't have a totally clear vision but i was it was my intention to attend medical school did you want to still go to med school so i graduated from nursing school i landed my dream job in the pediatric icu doing the hardest thing that you could possibly do yes for the first couple of months i really liked it and i really enjoyed it it was really challenging and every day i walked into the unit i had no idea what to expect or what i was going to do and in your first year of nursing you feel incredibly defeated because you have no idea what you're doing. Sometimes people are really mean, patients, family members, ICU, also just not an easy place to start. Um, Lots of high emotions everywhere. Yeah. And I think I didn't really understand myself as a person that well. I mean, I was 21, 21, 22. I was 21. It hit me that life is short, but life is also very, very long. I do not want to be miserable or doing something that I don't enjoy doing. And I want to wake up excited and feel ready to start the day and excited to do what I get to do and serve in in the best way that I can. And I'm not a person who enjoys being under high stress situations, 
unpredictable situations. And that's exactly what the ICU was. So I just realized my personality was not compatible with that for with what I signed up for. But you know what they say, you you have to get a couple years of experience under your belt before you can kind of make a shift. And I also really wanted to make sure that it wasn't just Sunday scaries. It wasn't just a learning curve that I was terrified of. And so I did my time. I did a couple years and then I switched out of bedside nursing. I still had the intention to go to medical school even after I graduated from nursing school, but I knew I was going to work for a bit. Wasn't sure exactly how long, but when I started realizing that maybe the ICU wasn't for me and being in the ICU and watching the residents suffer day to day, like I would go home and come back and the same resident would still be there, still working, still grinding. Um, I just realized that, you know what, maybe there's there's a little bit more to life because there's a saying where I'm not sure it's the most accurate saying, but if there's anything that you love more than medicine, you should do that instead. And for me, I had so much that I loved outside of medicine that I decided, hey, maybe it's not the best place for me to be doing this because I wasn't ready to sacrifice everything else. In nursing school, that's when I started my Instagram and I grew a little bit of a following. I really enjoyed making educational content and video editing was something I was passionate about even starting middle school. So that was my greatest hobby and I was obviously investing a lot of time into it and I felt like if I was going to go to med school, I mean, I really had to hunker down and focus on that. I wouldn't have as much time to focus on any of the other things. And this was also the time where I was starting to take bigger brand deals and making a little bit more money. The first ever brand deal I took, I made $400 from one post in a video, which sounds like a lot and $400 is a lot, but I signed away my life for that. I gave perpetual usage, you know, which is something you should never do. Can I ask a pretty important question for maybe some of the young people out there? Mm -hmm. Like they're in high school, they're interested in getting into healthcare. Like Mm -hmm. how do you decide, I wanna be in healthcare, but I wanna decide between being a nurse or a doctor. How should I decide what's what's good for me? Shadowing, you should always go and look at the job that you're looking at and see if you actually enjoy the day-to-day operation. Not the glamorized, the beautiful version of it. Go and shadow, not once, not twice, weeks, months, and go and watch what they do every day in the morning, at night. Learn about their lifestyles, their hobbies, and see which one is most compatible for you. I think there's something so special about nursing. I get to spend eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours by the patient. You develop a really intimate relationship with them. It's very different than the physician-patient relationship where you often are only spending, you know, five, 10 minutes with them. You round with them. That's all you see. So deciding which aspect of the support you want to be, I think is incredibly important. That's a great answer. I think it would be interesting to talk about your transition from going from the ICU to your current job. I guess some of it has to do with me forcing you to move to Seattle (laughs) to find a different job. But circumstances aside, I think you're much happier where you are today. And I think mental health wise, from my perspective, it's more healthy. But I want to hear from you what your thoughts are about how you've gotten to kind of where you are today. I guess I really thought about deal breakers in a job and what I definitely didn't want. And what I didn't want was working night shifts. I didn't want to walk into work and not feel like I knew what I was doing. I would prefer something where I was doing something consistently. And I wanted a consistent team that I got to work with. And all of that was more compatible with an outpatient setting rather than an inpatient setting. As a new grad, so I was working a month of days, a month of nights, a month of days, a month of nights. So my 
sleep schedule was messed up. My skin was breaking out and it was a very cranky person. And I was like, I'm not ever gonna do that ever again. Kevin was pretty uh, convinced that he would end up staying in California. So I really didn't think about it too much. But when the match results came out and we found out that he was going to be in Seattle, I applied for a job or two in Seattle just to see if I would get a sign or something that I should also move with him. And one of the jobs I applied for is the job that I have now. And it's an outpatient nursing job and a specialty that I was super excited to be in. And I really didn't think I was going to get the gig because I don't have any experience in this specialty. It's very interesting in nursing that you can just swap specialties without any experience. And it's a very different skill set, like the OR nurse versus the ICU nurse versus the med surge nurse nurse or there's all these different types of nursing jobs you can have. And the skill sets are very, very, very different per se. Right. And you don't really have any certification. You do do, have a certification. But you don't have to have the certification to be that. Yes. That's correct. Okay. So I decided I wanted to change and I applied for a job. I did three rounds of interview and I think within that week I was offered the gig. Yeah, it was like the whole thing took less than two weeks. You were very happy. I was really excited about the opportunity. I was ready for change and it also felt like a sign that, oh, maybe our relationship could work too if I moved with you because, I mean, residency is not a short time. If I didn't move with you, it'd be very difficult for us to still be together. I'm very grateful that you moved with me to support me in my difficult residency journey. I'm grateful Um, that your residency showed me the sign to make a big leap because it's terrifying making that change. I was so scared. You lived in California for like 20 years, right? Yeah. You hadn't really lived anywhere outside of there. So I mean, I was really scared to leave the bedside because all people tell you is that you're going to lose your skills. You're going to be less of a nurse. And Yes, I have lost some skills, but I have gained new ones that I never knew how to do when I was in the ICU. I have new responsibilities. I sleep better at night. I treat my patients better. I am a better nurse. And I think that's far more important than anything else. And if I ever wanted to go back, I could relearn those skills. I I sleep well at night knowing that. I think it's also interesting to see just like when you become more of a senior person, you become less hands-on. I think this trend is true for like a lot of different jobs so Mm -hmm. like when you're a senior doctor like a senior surgeon Mm -hmm. you have maybe more administrative responsibility leadership responsibilities i guess the point i'm trying to make here is that when you become more important there's bigger change that you can make more systematically rather than you being the soldier on the field like doing the individual tasks yeah inevitably i understand your sentiment that losing some things may not necessarily be a bad thing Mm -hmm. So I'm much happier and I'm very open about sharing that journey because I think not a lot of people talk about it. The idea of a nurse, you know, when you see it in movies and in TV shows, it's this idea of this bedside nurse working in a hospital. But nursing is so much more than that. There's public health nursing. You could work from home. You can work as a school nurse. The opportunities are endless. And finding something that is the right fit for you is so important, especially in a time where healthcare is so incredibly short-staffed. The days are incredibly long. It is not easy to work the jobs that we work 
I would hope that at the very least you enjoy it. Yeah, we're, you know, we're going through more transitions. As you know, we're doing podcasts, we're involved in social media. And so, you know, our role and like, I guess our input into society as per se, like our jobs is ever changing, right? We have all these yeah. crazy opportunities to work with different brands and make an impact on people's lives through such platforms as this podcast is yeah. also really important to us. And Yeah, one day I would love to do an episode talking about creator and creator work because it's something I'm so passionate about and mm -hmm. I wake up every morning excited to do it. For all of this, I'm most grateful to my parents for bringing me here to America. And don't get me wrong, my parents and I, we still fight. I think we all fight with our Asian parents here and there. But I deeply appreciate all that they did and all of their sacrifices to help me be where I am today. Wouldn't be here without them and without Kevin and the Buttos, the Buttos who's snoring away below us. But I think everything happens for a reason. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's all brought me to where I am today. And things don't get easier, but you do get stronger. I think you have to work hard, but you have to, have to work smart. You know, just because you work hard by grinding away in the ICU every day, it's not going to justify your unhappiness. I used to define success as how much money you made or how successful you are, how many things you have on your resume. And I've redefined that now as happiness am i happy am i content because if you are just basing yourself off achievements it'll never be enough somebody will be always doing better than you making more money than you the grass is always greener on the other side so finding what makes you happy and what makes you content even if that's not what is textbook or what other people find joy in do what's best for you i want to end by saying that you know it's been a long journey for us to get to where we are today mm -hmm. and we're very grateful and without all of you guys i truly mean this from the bottom of my heart i could not have the life that i have today and there's not a single day that I don't wake up grateful. And in real life, we have very few friends. We're both pretty introverted. We stay home a lot. So having internet friends and people that we feel so close to has felt very special to me. Well, perfect. And that's a wrap on this episode. We will see you guys next week.